Okay, everybody, welcome back. Um, another episode of the Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins. Just got off work from one grind to the other, but this is what uh, this is what the Figure It Out podcast is all about. Um, basketball edition today. Uh, had to push it back a day. Uh, our our co-host Skip had to get his grind on, and um, we respect that. This is a this is a grind factory, and so when you got to work, you got to work. We get it, but glad to have him on today. Um, looks like you're joining us from our from our uh, from your car, Skeevy. <laughs> yes, sir. It's uh, it's funny you say that because uh, talking about the grind, I, I'm actually getting ready to play in a basketball game myself here at High V Arena in Kansas City. I play in a men's league with a group of my friends, so wanted to uh, make sure that we got this in and got a good episode, and then hopefully I'll uh, be able to take my talents out on the hardwood as well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Stay, uh, stay willing with the game, Skeevy. Uh, don't give that up. You think in a couple threes tonight, I'd have to say. Yeah, I would say a couple threes for sure. Um, you know, that's, that's the goal at least. And, uh, got a couple more weeks until our team will be competing in the playoffs. So looking, uh, looking forward to it and, uh, hopefully we'll get a win tonight. And what time is uh game time? 630. Nice. Okay, so we got some good time here. Are you you're already at the arena too? Look at this guy. Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> got to be prepared, and uh, the more prepared you are, the more successful you are. That's right. Well, let's get into some basketball talk to get you prepared. Um, huge, amazing weekend of college hoops. I seriously, I've always loved college basketball. I've always loved basketball, but. Um, I don't think I've ever watched as much hoops in one sitting as I did this weekend. I mean, I literally watched from the 11 a.m. tip off all the way up to uh, where college game day was in the desert, um, Arizona, Oregon. And there were just good games all over the place. I mean, this is the time of the year where guys are grinding, guys are getting into it. We've talked about this a little bit before on the pod, but these games just matter so much. Um, and it's really, it's really showing over the last week Head into the weekend, I think the theme that I have on um, what I have written down is some teams might have slipped up a little bit last week uh, during the week, but the teams that I think are really real um, rebounded in big ways over the weekend and got big wins. Um, and I guess that's a great way to start because Tuesday, a team that we were talking about just before we clicked record, Skeeby, uh, and real quick, for the listeners out there, I might just throw out a random uh, Garrett Skipworth nickname. It just know that I'm referring to to our co-host Garrett Skipworth as I go through this, but uh, Tennessee, a uh, huge win, a tournament team for sure. Uh, they beat Kentucky, who we um, who we described potentially as one of the best, easily top five team, maybe one of the maybe the best team in the country. But um, Tennessee needed that win. Kentucky didn't have their guy Ty Ty Washington. Um, but they seem to be at pretty much full strength other than that. And I, I think for a legit team to win um, a title, you got to have more than one player, especially in college hoops. But um, that was obviously a bit of a glaring weakness. But, Skip, um, I, I mean, I, Kentucky's one of those teams that I mentioned right before in my intro here. Uh, they bounced back on Saturday against Bama. It's rivalry game on the road. Don't have your best player. That crowd, I don't know if you watched the game, but that crowd seemed fired up in Knoxville. I don't put too much stock into it, and I agree with you. I think Kentucky has a legit chance to win it all. 
Yeah, Chan, you alluded to it, man. And uh, Saturday was just a great day for college hoops. Um, it honestly felt like, you know, the the NCAA tournament in a way, just yeah. because we're flipping from game to game. Every single hour of the day, there was games, um, and, and all the games were good. And so that just got me even more fired up for March Madness right around the corner. And uh, it just shows you the, the true greatness of, of college basketball. I mean, it just felt so good to sit there all day and just watch hoops. So I was right there with you on that one, man. And, and yeah, we just talked about it. Kentucky is for real. Um, you know, it's pretty crazy that their loss at Tennessee, 76 to 63, is John Calipari's third largest loss as an AP top five team, wow. uh, which is pretty incredible. And that just kind of alludes to their dominance over the years. Um, I mean, 13 points, that's <laughs> to most teams that they, they would uh, they would kill for that. And that's the third largest in, um, as an AP top five team. So that's pretty incredible. And you, like you said, they got a, a really good bounce back win against a very, very good Bama team. Yeah. And as much as I hate to admit it, Kentucky is, is really, really good. And um, I, I think that they're for sure going to be in contention for a national title this year. I mean, they have all the pieces. You alluded to it. Ty Ty um, is a little bit injured right now, but he'll be coming back. He's a, a premier point guard. Um, guys that I like for them, Kellen Grady. Kellen Grady is a uh, actually a transfer from Davidson. And um, Davidson has produced a couple of shooters in a day. Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry being one of them, who just had 16 threes in the All-Star game. Um, <laughs> but Kellen Grady, shooting 45% from three this season. Uh, he's a really versatile player. I think he'll be a very, very good player in the NBA. And then you can't forget about him, Oscar Shibway. I mean, he's probably going to be beast. He's going to be player of the year, in my opinion. Uh I mean, he's averaging 16 points per game, 15 rebounds per game, and uh, and is shooting 60% from the field. So um, he's just a total total dominant force uh, on the offensive and defensive end. Um, so whenever you combine good guard play and a big that kind of anchors your team like that, you uh, you have all the all the pieces that you need. So watch out for Kentucky; they're going to be a very very dangerous team. Yeah, and uh, real quick about Kentucky. I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, the Ken Palm ratings, but um, our buddy Blaine Wheeler hooked me up with a subscription. So I've actually been surfing that pretty much all day. And it's um, it's not necessarily the AP poll, um, but he this guy like dedicates his time and effort to this, this website. He's got Kentucky ranked second um, overall, one spot behind Gonzaga. So obviously Kentucky's taking the country by storm. Speaking real quick, we'll go. Um, we'll go to Gonzaga. Not too much to talk about here. Another dominating week for them. Um, they're actually going to be on TV on Thursday against San Francisco, who is the number twenty-fourth ranked team um, in the country and on this uh, Ken Palm uh, website. Um, I'm going to be starting to refer to that a lot because I really like what I see. It seems like it's a pretty fair website, but um, they're going to be on TV on Thursday. I would imagine they'll dominate, but. Um, I think something does have to be said with the way they're winning these games. I mean, I know that these teams aren't the best teams, but they are just murdering. I mean, they beat Pepperdine 86-66. 
And then I forget who they beat on Saturday, but it was just it was just ridiculous. Uh, they're legit. They can score from all three levels of the floor. They can defend. Uh, their big guys are versatile. I mean, I swear Drew Timmy plays guard. So it's like it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, they have a system and they know what they're good at. And uh, not a lot of time needs to be spent on them. Auburn was one of those teams. They actually had a reverse of what I said. They dominated Vanderbilt and then actually slipped up over the weekend um, in Gainesville um, against Florida. Weird game for me uh, from Auburn. Auburn didn't look like they really wanted to be there. Um, in my personal opinion, uh, they played well throughout the entire game, but they didn't play like the number two team in the country like they were at the time. Um, and it bit them. They lost by one. Um, they had the ball, though, to win the game uh, with, like, eight or nine seconds left. They didn't even get a shot up. I, and Jabari Parker didn't touch the ball. Um, that's inexcusable. Uh, I think that's something that's really fixable. But I think that I think that game actually means more to Florida um, in the grand scheme of things because they have put themselves back on the bubble. We talked last week. The reason I bring them up, honestly, because I talked last week about how they weren't doing very good. And that just kind of alludes to what kind of program they have when they're, quote, not doing very good, unquote. I mean, they have a chance to make the turning. So um, I don't think you put a lot of stock into the Auburn loss there. Uh, Florida is probably probably has to win every single game, and that's a huge win for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore, Chan. Um, I think similar to the Kentucky loss at Tennessee, uh, this is one of those that you can't really put a whole lot of stock into it. Um, you know, Auburn's still a very good team, and we know what they're capable of. Um, I think I was definitely watching that game live, and yeah. um, in my opinion, you know, they had chance after chance after chance to win that game. And so, um, you know, shout out to, to Florida. They made plays down the stretch and, and did what they needed to do to grind out that win. But I think from Auburn's standpoint, that's just one of those you kind of got to throw away in the trash and, and just forget about it um, because like you said, they still, um, you know, as, as poorly as they played in comparison to their standards, they still had the ball with a chance to win at the end of the game, just did not get a shot off. So don't think you can put much thought into that one. Um, that Florida crowd was, was amped up too. So yeah. um, it was uh, it was a great game overall, but I still think that uh, Auburn is, is a very, very good team. Yeah, I agree. That gym actually looks really cool, the Florida's gym. Um, I'd like to go to a game there. Um, a conference that I have, some for some reason, kind of fallen in love with. Um, I don't really know why. I don't like really any of the teams in there. Not that I don't like them, but I like watching them play, I guess. Um, it's the Big East, dude. The Big East has some legit teams, some teams that can make things really nasty in March. Um, and they seem to really try to beat up on each other because there's always good games going on. There were several this weekend. Um, we talked about it last uh, last week. We talked about it on Monday. The game was Tuesday. Providence played Villanova. Um, Providence, kind of like Auburn, had every chance in the world to win. And I think it says a lot about the Villanova team. We talked about them a little bit. Um, they just wouldn't lose. They never relinquished the lead. Um, a really hostile environment in Providence. Um, and and there's they Villanova has another huge matchup. I think it's tonight actually, maybe tomorrow night against um, UConn, who UConn, they're on absolute fire, dude. Three in a row, winners. Um, our buddy Lucas has been all over them, um, so I made sure to get that in there. But 
this the Big East up and down um, has unbelievable teams, teams that can win some games in the tournament and teams that I think there's I think there's like five or six teams that can win the Big East. Um, I think Nova will do it. But like I said last week, Providence is real. That Jared Bynum kid is a freak. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of other good guards in, in that conference as well. Yeah, Chan, I'm curious out of uh, those five or six teams. Uh, you know, who, who do you think is going to be battling out at the end of the season? Because I got to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to the Big East. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. So quite honestly, I mean, like teams like Xavier, uh, teams like Providence and Nova are the obvious two, but teams like Xavier, uh, Marquette, some of these teams I watched on, I think I think uh, Xavier was playing Marquette. That's why I bring those two up. I mean, those two te- those two teams right there were going tooth and nail. And then not to mention Butler. I think we forget about Butler a lot. Uh, Butler is really good. They they actually might have been playing um, Marquette. Uh, no, excuse me. They played Providence. They had Providence on the ropes, and Providence won by one in overtime in Butler. Um, so a huge win for them. But um, I think those three teams right there. Uh, included with Nova and Providence. Those five teams, I think, have a legit chance. Um, I mean, Nova, according to this website, 11th. Um, let me find Providence real quick. Um, but, well, I mean, they just – You have you obviously know this, but come tournament time, I mean, those in matchups, you yeah. know uh, – And it's always Big East teams in those matchups, yeah. it seems like. Those are those – are, it seems like year in and year out, those are pretty much damn near impossible games to predict. And um, I feel like a lot of teams like that, you know, um, because you have to take into account that a lot of times the, the tournament committee, they will actually put quote unquote average teams from better conferences at those higher seeds compared to say a, a team that, that wins the conference tournament for a lower conference, you know, yeah. it, which, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. But, um, you know, that just, that just goes to show like the strength, the strength of schedule. Um, you know, they, they take into account all that kind of stuff. So those seven, 10, you know, five, 12 matchups, those are always the toughest ones to, to predict in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like I said, it always seems to be like a 12 seed Marquette, <laughs> like team, a team you definitely do not want to play at the 12 seed, but just keep your eye um, listeners on the big East as it comes down to the wire and the big East tournament. I mean, we're sitting here talking about how Villanova and Providence are the best. And this guy has Xavier Seton hall and Marquette re- ranked all in front of them. So I think it's a, it's a legit, it's a legit wide open conference. Um, that can be won by by any. I guess you can add Seton Hall in there too. Um, speaking of teams that are real, dude, uh, you had something written down about this, I think. But Texas Tech, what a week for them! Uh, they they beat Baylor, swept Baylor, like you said earlier. Uh, beat Texas, swept Texas. I don't know when the last time that's happened, if it's ever happened, but huge for Texas Tech. Um, I think one of the things I've I've gathered from watching Texas Tech um, actually kind of a lot here recently, just because they seem to be on TV a lot, um, is how much they want to play for their coach. Uh, they seem to really like Mark Adams, their head coach. I mean, every broadcast I've listened to, they they rave and rant about how good of a coach he is and how much they want to win for him. 
And that's dangerous when you have something or somebody that means that much to you that you want to win for them. And, um, you know, that whole Chris Beard left Texas Tech and went to Texas and they had kind of that little segment about um, Tech players wanting to stay and play for Mark Adams. Um, I think that says a lot about him. And when you have that confidence mixed with their skill level and their belief and what their coach is telling them, that's a really dangerous team come tournament time. And uh, not they're always dangerous, at least here recently. But I think they can really make a run this year. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Chan. And, um, you know, the fact that they swept the defending national champions, Baylor, says a lot about their team. And yeah. then again, a Chris Beard going to Texas, you know, that those games this season have, have meant a lot to all of those players. So for them to go out and sweep Baylor in, in Texas is a really, really impressive feat. And, um, yeah, dude, they're just a gritty team, man. They play really hard on defense. They, uh, they move the ball. They share the ball. Um, they have really good guard play in particular. I really like Kevin O'Banner a lot. I think he's yeah. the real deal. Um, I mean, he's a 6'8", versatile guard who I think is going to have a, a pretty solid NBA career. Um, and dating back to last year, he was one of the many players that led Oral Roberts in their, magic, uh, their magical tournament, tournament run to the Sweet 16. And... Um, so whenever you have a winning culture and you have guys who have been there and done that, have that experience, you know, that's something that is, is so valuable to your team. And to go along with your point, whenever they are playing for a coach who they truly care about and who they really, really want to win for, that just speaks volumes. So um, I do really like Texas Tech's team a lot. I think that they are legit. And uh, I know that the broadcasters, every single game that they play, they they talk about that, how Texas Tech is, is a team that you would not want to play in a tournament. No. Um, and I think – I don't think we've – we talked about this, I think, a little bit maybe in a couple previous episodes, but um, their ability to defend is scary. I mean, like you said, O'Banner – I mean, you have a six eight guard that can – I mean, he obviously he's going to make life really difficult for opposing guards. Um, and when you, when you hold Texas, one of your biggest rivals, to 55 points at home, I mean, you're setting yourself up just to win no matter what kind of day you're having. Because, I mean, the way I kind of looked at that game, I didn't think Tech was playing that great offensively. Now, credit Texas. I think Texas is actually crazy defensive, uh, defensively sound. Um, and side note, the Big 12 defensively is insane. There's not a team in that conference that can't guard. Um, we're not even talking about Baylor. Um, and we're definitely not even talking about who they played last night, Oklahoma State. I mean, they people in the in the conference can flat out guard. Um, and and I think Tech is top two team in that category. Um, so I think that's a really impressive feature and a feature that carries into games, especially tournament games, that you know, you're not always gonna have your best offensive night shooting. Can you keep yourself in the game um and fight till the very end? I think tech has that in them. Um that's important Chan because you know we've talked about this I think every single episode um you know your defense travels with you every single game and especially in the tournament whenever it's win or go home I mean you got to have your best defensive effort every single game so um for them to to fight out that hard-fought win against Texas um again you said that they didn't play their best offensively and I completely agree with that it was a very low scoring game um but they just, they just know how to make plays. 
and they made winning plays at the end. And that's really all that matters. No one's going to care about how you win the game. It's just whether yeah. or not you win the game. So, um, yeah, you, you just got to find multiple ways to win. Man. Yeah, um, completely agree. Um, real quick, I'm going to just go over some quick game, quick teams that uh, we've talked about that are bouncing back and or on the rise. Um, Houston bounces back. They have two wins in a row um, after dropping their two. Uh, we were high on Houston uh, earlier in the year, um, well, earlier in this ep- or in the episodes, but um, they kind of slacked off a little bit with that kind of really bad week uh, last week, actually, and uh, bounced back huge this past week. Um, two wins. Uh, they were at home against UCF and won and then went on the road and beat a pretty uh, pretty decent Wichita State team by two. Had to come back in that one. Two huge wins to get them back on track. Um, Illinois is a team that has kind of fallen off kind of the – I feel like the national radar, but they are hanging around because they're in the loaded Big Ten, which I want to talk about here in a second. Big Ten is disgusting. Um, but Illinois, Kofi Coburn, dude, I got to give some love to the big man. Um, he's an issue, dude. He is massive. He just, We haven't given him enough love on here. Um, he's super quiet around the basket, and by quiet, I mean just moves well, you know, rebounds, and then he can bring the thunder when he wants to dunk it. Um, he's really impressive. Um, I mean, he's massive. They were – I forget what game. I think it was some midweek game last week, but he's the same size and weight as Joel Embiid. <laughs> So like wow. this guy is this guy is like re, like legit, um, and he could be an issue in the NBA if he could develop any sort of any really sort of mid range. Um, he'll he's gonna get in there and he's gonna be he's gonna be massive. Um, but Illinois we were, is a team. Oh, go ahead, sir. No, no, you're good. I was just gonna I was just gonna finish up with Illinois is a team to watch out for. What were you saying? No, so I I sorry to interrupt you there, but no, you're good. Um, we were talking about uh, we were talking about Oscar Shibway earlier and how crazy his numbers are, but uh, Shibway a- averaging 16 points per game, 15 rebounds per game, and 60% field goal percentage. So Kofi comes back and he's averaging 22 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, and is shooting 61% from the field. Hmm. So yeah, in, in today's age of basketball, whenever it's so guard oriented and you know, there's, there's, to be honest, there's only a handful of back to the basket dominant big guys in today's age. Um, it's really, really promising to see those guys doing what they're doing. And, and, uh, I did not know that he was the same size and weight as Joel Embiid. That's, that's pretty crazy. And, um, yeah, dude, he is, he's, he's vicious down low for sure. I mean, blocking shots, throwing down thunderous dunks. Um, you know, again, whenever you can have a guy like that, that can anchor your team and you can throw him the ball inside on the block and he can go, uh, either get you a bucket or, um, this is another very important thing come tournament time, foul trouble. Mm -hmm. Whenever he can draw fouls on other teams, best player, potentially, you know, take some guys out of the game. Um, all of that is very, very important. So, yeah. He should be another person, another national player of the year candidate, in my opinion. Um, I mean, anytime you're averaging 22 and 11 and shooting 61% from the field, that's pretty insane. Yeah, definitely. I think 
the points is one thing. I think the rebounds is crazy. It's crazy that uh, Oscar has two more per game. I mean, 13 rebounds a game is insane. So is 11. Um, so bring back the big man. We need him in the game. They're important. Um, but uh, yeah, watch out for Illinois. I think they could be really good. Um, staying in the Big Ten, a team that's been on fire their last three, three in a row here for Purdue. Um, Purdue, uh, keep your eye. I don't think he gets enough love, Skip, but uh, Jaden Ivey, Purdue's guard, um, he's really good, can score from all three levels of the court, um, defends decently well. I mean, he, he, his, he's definitely an offensive guy, but Purdue's just one of those teams that's sound and solid, doesn't really mess up. Typical Big Ten team, they're not going to blow you out of the water with points, but um, they're going to get in there and grind with you, and they're definitely not going to just give up easy baskets. Um, they have like a seven-feet, seven-foot-two guy. I don't know uh what his name is but he stands out on the court big time the guy's huge he looks a lot like Wyatt Kessler from um or Walker Kessler excuse me from um Auburn transferred from North Carolina but Purdue uh three in a row for them like I said they played Michigan State on Saturday who's been slumping um but huge game in the in the standings for the big e or big 10 because the big 10 standings are insane we'll get to that in a second but keep your eye on Jaden Ivey and Purdue as a legit contender. Yeah, the Big Ten is loaded. I mean, any one of those teams that you just mentioned can um, beat up on each other night in and night out, and it's going to be pretty crazy to see who actually ends up winning that league um, and kind of just how uh, each of those teams stack up their resume because, uh, you know, again, those are the type of teams that four, five, six, seven seed within the tournament. Um, those are tough teams uh, whenever they're battling in the Big Ten like they have been all season long and, and uh, you know, possibly losing some games that they that they normally wouldn't lose, so to speak. Right. Um, you know, it's it's those are the type those are the type of teams that you do not want to play come tournament time. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see who actually ends up winning the Big Ten. Yeah, definitely. Um, and sticking in the Big Ten real quick, I want to bring up um, – just kind of give the listeners a view of, like, how good the Big or Big Ten is. I keep wanting to say Big East. I mean the Big Ten. Um, Iowa, number 25 this week in this week's rankings, um, have won their last three of the four. Um, they lost a weird one, just really a random loss to Michigan at Iowa as well. That – doesn't seem to be a game that they would lose uh, very often, but then that kind of goes more like Michigan kind of slumping um, this year, but um, they beat Ohio state on Saturday. Uh, they're number 25 in the country and they're eight and seven in the big 10. <laughs> like they're in the middle of the big 10 and are number 25 in the country um, just goes to show the depth of that league. Um, and they're another team that has two, the, the Murray twins. Um, I kind of made a funny on Twitter over the weekend. I, I was talking about Iowa and tweeted that they have twins. I'm not really sure that should be illegal um, because they probably have some sort of weird telepathic capabilities or something. But Keegan Murray is a freak. Um, he can score. And, and the thing about Iowa, um, they – I, I, I like pointing this out. They have a coach's kid. Head coach's son plays on uh, – I think actually maybe two of them do. I think two McCaffreys play for Iowa, and Fran is the coach. But um, they're a team – they're kind of like a Purdue, um, I think with a little bit more offensive capabilities. They 
are not giving up easy baskets. They're going to defend you with the entire length of the court. And, um, and I don't mean to keep beating a dead horse, but uh, like we've been saying on this episode, Iowa, a, a four, five, six, seven, eight seed that you're not going to want to play in the tourney. And I honestly think Iowa has a legit chance to win the Big Ten as well. So you could even see them higher than a four seed, in my opinion. But um, just just an insight to how good the Big Ten is. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Iowa's a very good team. They're just one of those teams that they're very – they're just so fundamentally sound. Uh, they're not going to turn the ball over that much. They're always going to get a good shot every single possession. They shoot the three at a high rate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they can put points on the board in a hurry. and um again whenever you don't turn the ball over and you shoot the ball at a high clip that's a good recipe for success so um yeah look look out for Iowa to and that's crazy that they are eight and seven and they're still in the top 25 I mean that again that just goes to show how good of a league that is and and that these people that are are making these rankings they have to take into account every single aspect of of what goes into these games because um i mean they they do realize that i a team like iowa is still a very good basketball team even though they're eight and seven and barely above 500 in their week yeah and to go back on their eight and seven they've won their last three out of four so they were they did have a losing record and they were still around the top 25 um and they put themselves back in a really good spot um, now let's go back to a legit contender. We're going to head out west. We're going to leave the Big Big Ten and the Big East, and we're going to go to the uh, the West Coast. Um, Arizona, dude. Arizona could be really real. Um, we've been talking about them. Uh, I mean, we've been we've been talking about them all year, but I don't think we've been giving them enough credit. Um, they're a legit team. Uh, they had a really tough game. College game day was there against. Um, a really well-coached Dana Altman, Oregon team um, on Saturday night in the desert. It was a really good game back and forth. Um, And really what it comes down to was uh, Arizona stars. I mean, uh, Benedict Mathurin and Christian Coloco for Arizona uh, had huge days. Um, And, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about Arizona other than that game. I did watch that entire game. It was probably the first Arizona game that I watched. Um, they are really, really good at shooting. Um, I mean, some of these scores they've had, they put up 92 against Washington, 83 against Oregon State um, the last couple times out. They put up 84 against Oregon and one by three. Um, I think that their ability to shoot and defend is really good. And I think that they, I don't want to say they're going to be a lock to win the Pac-12, but I think they're going to be a lock to win the Pac-12, honestly. Yeah, Chan, we've uh, alluded to it in the past. They definitely have the best, uh, some of the best names in college basketball. Yeah, uh, Benedict. Benedict. Durant. <laughs> I mean, that's, you can't get much better than that. But yeah, dude, I mean, they, you alluded to it. They, uh, they had 11 threes against Oregon um so they can really shoot the ball they shot 48 percent from from three against Oregon and uh they just they really have a balanced attack um I mean Benedict Mathurin had led the way with 24 points um they had other guys 14 10 13 11 so 
when you're getting the scoring from multiple angles like that, I mean, that, that makes it tough for other teams to defend. Um, because, you know, it, it's so crazy. Uh, the, you know, being a former basketball coach myself, everything that, that goes into uh, a game plan heading into a game, like you think that you have a team figured out, oh, they're going to run this set. and Oh, they're going to go to this guy in, in this situation. You know, sometimes it, these coaches are also so smart to know that they got to have counterattacks to that. So, yep. you know, when, when you think you have a team figured out, you, you sometimes you might not even have them figured out at all. So uh, my point being is that whenever you have multiple guys that can score and you have a, such a balanced attack like that, yeah, you might be able to take away one or two of their, of their main hitters. But, you know, if you got other guys that can step up and, and make plays as well, that's, that's so important. So, um, yeah, Arizona is very, very good. I mean, they have two losses on the year, so uh, they're, they're, they're going to be dangerous. And um, Benedict Mathurin, I can't stop saying his name now, but yeah. uh, he, he is he is legit, man. He's, he's a very, very good player. Super fun to watch. Um, and, again, they, they just play hard. They play hard. They play together. Um, and, you know, if, if they could uh, – I'm not sure what their defensive numbers are, but whenever you can score at that high of a clip, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. So, for over their last 100 possessions, Arizona's averaging giving up 90 points. That doesn't, I guess that's not terrible over just 100 possessions. I mean, that's really not that bad. And they're ranked third in the country. So, uh, according to Ken Palm, he, he, these, these numbers are sometimes kind of confusing, but 90 points might sound like a lot, but over just 100 possessions, I mean, they probably had, they probably had 100 possessions in their last three games and they played, I mean, they were, they're scoring at an unreal clip. I mean, they're, their offensive efficiency over the last 100 possessions, they're scoring 118.2. So it's like, it's it's just a, it's just a craziness and the difference of if if you can score like that, it, a defense almost doesn't matter. And then you put in their defense um, abilities, it's ridiculous. They've won eight in a row with wins over UCLA, USC, and Oregon. Um, they are a legit contender. They can really play. And real quick, like we said, their names, they are the number one named team in the country. Real quick, Benedict Mathurin, Adama Ball, Pele Larson, Azulis Tubelis, Omar Balo, Tot Vilas Tubelis, Addison Arnold, Kerr Creesa, Christian Coloco, just to name a few. Um, those are some awesome names. Look out for Arizona in the tournament. One of those guys will make their names known throughout the tournament. People will be saying it for a while, I'd say. Um, Skip. This is a great time. Give us, uh, give us your the Duke, the Duke update of the podcast segment here. Um, they've been looking pretty good, Skeeby. Uh, ranked eighth here according to Ken Palm. Um, Twenty three and four in the ACC. It's pretty ridiculous. One of those losses. Uh, no, excuse me. Gonzaga beat them, so I won't even say that. Um, what? How, how are you feeling for this week? Good week for the Duke Blue Devils. Man. Duke had a really, really solid week. Um, that Duke and Wake Forest finish was absolutely insane. Um, Mark Williams had that game-winning tip-in with uh, less than a second left on the clock. Looked like it could have been goaltending potentially, but, you know, 
Obviously, Hold on, I'm pause, not. pause real quick, Skip. If it's at Cameron, if it's not at Cameron, is it goaltending? I don't know. It was close, <laughs> Skip. It was close. It's as close as you could possibly get. Hmm. Um, you know, if, if I had to, if I had to uh, say one way or the other, I, I truly would say that it was slightly outside of the cylinder. So I, I do truly think not just being a Duke fan, I really do think that it was a good call. But one of those that was just as close as you could possibly get. And the fact that the Wake Forest guy heaved it one-handed from three-quarters court and hit the backboard and it rattled out, I mean, completely brought back memories to the 2010 National Championship for Duke against uh, Butler whenever Gordon Hayward, he, uh, he hit that or did not hit that shot um, from half court that literally rattled out, gave Duke the two point win for uh, our national championship. But um, yeah, Chan, uh, it was a great game against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a really, really good team. I think a lot of people have uh, kind of overlooked them as well. Um, I mean, they're a 20 plus win team. Uh, they do have Alondis Williams. Uh, Ooh, good name. Is the, yeah, another very good name. Uh, he is actually up for ACC player of the year. Um, he's averaging almost 20 points a game. Uh, he's had a couple games this season, 36 points, 34 points. Um, so he, he's the real deal. Uh, and then Duke did get a good win over Florida state, 88 to 70. Um, so overall a really good week for Duke, uh, this week is huge for them. Um, coming up, they're going to have to be some road warriors uh, because our next couple of games are at Virginia, uh, which is going to be a revenge game after our loss at Cameron whenever yeah. Virginia got us a couple weeks ago by one, 69-68. And then we go uh, up north to at Syracuse, and we got at Pittsburgh. Um, and then to round out the regular season, we got UNC at home for, uh, for Coach K's very last game not only at Cameron but last regular season game ever for Duke so gonna be a pretty wild game there but I like our chances Chan um to win out I don't want to you know don't want to jinx anything but uh we absolutely should win out and if we do win out uh we'll end the season 27 and 4 uh which is obviously a, a very very good resume um and so, you know, it's one of those things. They just they got to be playing their best basketball heading into the conference tournament. Hopefully they'll be able to make a deep run in the conference tournament as well. Um, and because it's they're in a position right now where looking like they're going to be a two seed, but, you know, if they make some noise this last couple weeks of the season and, uh, and ultimately win their conference, you know, they could uh, they could ultimately get a one seed potentially, which would be huge. Um, and one more stat for you, Chan, uh, which is crazy to me. Uh, I actually saw this reading an article the other day, but um, Duke currently has an active streak of 472 consecutive sellouts at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Wow. And in, in Coach K's 41 seasons, his record at Cameron is 557 and 73 for an 
88% win percentage. Uh, and not only that, but he's had 11 undefeated seasons at Cameron, which is crazy. Wow. So, honestly, I mean, that's just an unbelievable stat to me, um, especially because uh, this season included could have easily been another one of his undefeated seasons at Cameron. Um, our two losses at Cameron this year have been to uh, to Miami. Miami got us 76-74, and then Virginia got us 69-68. So a loss by two and a loss by one. So could have easily been 12 undefeated seasons at Cameron uh, for Coach K, which is pretty incredible to me. Um, I mean, the guy has 557 home wins, and a lot of coaches in their career yeah. would love to have 157 wins. So mm-hmm. pretty, pretty impressive. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully Duke will be able to finish off the season pretty strong here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you going over that schedule, I like that. Um, Virginia will be a tough game, but, um, you know, I think it's really difficult to beat a, a team twice. And, and having a team beat you at your own place doesn't sit well very often with you, especially a place like Cameron where you're going to Duke to defend that stadium because that's literally Duke's heaven. So, um, you know, I think I think they bounce back against Virginia. Those next two games I wouldn't be worried about at all, really. I mean, it's, it's, unless something just crazy happens. Um, and then, of course, UNC. Um, UNC actually watched their game last night against a, uh, a – uh, a resurging Louisville. They're not going to do anything this year, I don't think, but they look like a little bit more inspired than they were in the beginning of the year. But Carolina took care of them. Carolina is kind of a weird team. Um, no one's talking about them. They're 20 and eight in the ACC, which going back to your Wake Forest point real quick, sorry for jumping around, but they're 21 and seven. So uh, Wake, uh, I didn't even know that, honestly. That surprised me. And I watched that that Duke uh, Wake Forest game. Um, but Carolina, uh, they are pretty good. I know that they got their ass kicked by Duke at camp. Uh, excuse me, at in Chapel Hill. Um, but shout out to this. To shout out to St. Louis. Uh, what's his name? Cole. Is it Cole Butler? No, it's not Cole Butler. It's uh, God. What's his name? Hold on, I need to look this up because we got to give a shout out to our state. Any anytime a guy can go somewhere and be really good. Uh, we got to shout that out real quick. Let's see here. Caleb Love. Sorry, their point guard, Caleb Love. Um, he's from St. Louis. Um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, that should be another unreal Duke North Carolina matchup. Let'll, the game itself should be great. Um, and then, of course, the storyline um, will be even better. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. And, and like I said, man, uh, Duke's got some momentum here lately. Um, they're playing really, really good basketball. They're kind of uh, hitting on all cylinders at the right time. And uh, whenever you have a, a caliber player like Paulo Bancaro, uh, whenever he's playing his A game, uh, we do have Trevor Keels. He just came back recently from injury. Um, another one of our, uh, our our playmakers. He's constantly making plays on the offensive and defensive end. Uh, shout out again, Chan, another big man, Mark Williams. Yeah. Really, really ball right now um he could be kind of in the conversation for one of the top big men uh in the country without a doubt and um you know kind of going back to what we talked about with the balanced attack going into the tournament um it's so important 
Uh, Duke recently had uh, against their game against uh, Wake Forest, or pardon me, their game against Florida State. Uh, Paulo Bancaro had 17 points. Wendell Moore had 16. A.J. Griffin had 15. Uh, Trevor Keels had 13. Joey Baker had 12. Again, lighting it up from three, had 12 points on four threes. And then uh, Mark Williams had 10 points. So my point being, again, uh, whenever you have a balanced attack like that and, you, and you're playing together as a team heading into the tournament, that's really, really important um, because, you know, it, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's not always about the best team. It's just about the team that's playing their best basketball at the right time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like that. That is really about scoring. Um, <clears throat> part of my voice crack. Um, I figured I'd say this for the end because it's probably the biggest topic from the weekend. Um, and before we get into that, I want to just talk about Wisconsin real fast, who is playing really well, 21-5 and five in the Big Ten. Um, two huge wins this past week. Um, they beat Indiana, and then they beat Michigan. Um, some A guy that we haven't honestly talked about enough, and especially um, – it's this kind of falls on me because I, you know, I love the guard play. Johnny Davis for Wisconsin, dude, uh, comes out of nowhere, was on no one's radar to start the year. And all of a sudden, this guy is just lighting it up, playing, having one of the best seasons of his career. Um, he went for 30 and 25 in the last two games. Um, that's some serious scoring against pretty decent teams in Indiana and Michigan. Um, two huge wins for Wisconsin. Uh, like I said, they're 21 and five. Keep your eye out for them. Um, but the, the Wisconsin-Michigan game, what an ending. Um, took away from a really good basketball game. Um, you know, I, I think that this is, you know, Jawan Howard got suspended for five games um, the rest of the season. I, 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 you know, I think I'm okay with that. I think they got it right in terms of suspension. Um, but I think it's just kind of being swept under the rug um, in terms of if this was a player that had done this, I think it would have been a much bigger deal. And I think that's insanely wrong. Um, and, and I also think it's insanely wrong that players were suspended because of the actions of their coaches. Um, three players, I think two from Michigan and one from Wisconsin got suspended for a game. Um, and when you look at it, in my opinion, you know, I think that's actually a huge deal and it might not be that big of a deal on the outside looking in, but as these teams start getting more and more, um, you know, used to playing with each other and closer to tournament play. I mean, one game can derail your season. I mean, you can get off rhythm. You can all of a sudden, you know, just not play well together. Um, and, and 40 minutes of basketball can really change like that. And I just, you know, None of that was going to happen if those coaches didn't do what they did. So why you just want the players to stand around and, and watch? I mean, they were, from what I saw, no players struck anybody, and they were trying to break up the fight the whole time, started by these coaches. Um, you know, I think it goes back to that thing where sometimes I just, I just don't – the NCAA uh, college athletes was not treated the same, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't think there should be any reason why they were suspended, uh, even for a game, um, especially the actions of somebody who's supposed to be, you know, the role model on the court acting like a fool. Um, he's honestly lucky that he didn't get suspended more. Um, and, and 
he's a fist. He's lucky he went open hand. He's a fist away from not being the Michigan head coach. So, Skip, your thoughts on it? Um, am I wrong? Am I right? What do you think? And so many different directions that you can go with this one. And just an overall horrible thing to happen at, at the end of a really good basketball game. And like you said, man, it's just really, really disappointing that the coach who's supposed to be the role model on the team for the program. Um, I mean, he represents all those players, all those coaches, all their families. He's supposed to be the face of Michigan basketball. And for him to just put all that aside and, and to just act so childish, I mean, we obviously don't know what was said or what, what triggered the entire thing, but for you to, you know, just do that without even thinking about the, the repercussions from it is just, it's so disappointing. And um, like you said, man, he's one fist away from, from being fired and he's, he's lucky that he did not get fired. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I'm really glad and, and thank the Lord that that coach or no one got hurt or anything like that, because, you know, if he if he clocks him in the face and knocks him to the floor and that guy gets hurt, it's a whole different story. And, yeah. um, you know, you alluded to it as well. It's none of that. None of that happens with the players if it wasn't for the coach. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that just put the players in such a horrible position because, of course, when tensions are that high and people are jawing back and forth at each other, like, of course they're not just going to sit back and not do anything. They're going to, they're going to stick up for their teammates and their coaches and they're, and they're going to try and do whatever they can to support them. And, and so, I mean, they, they pretty much got what they, what they expected out of the situation, unfortunately. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think it's really unfortunate that those players did get suspended. Um, I, I, to be honest, going looking into it, um, I thought that he was going to be suspended for the rest of the season, uh, if not fired. <laughs> I was uh, really, really nervous for, for that to happen just because, um, I mean, that's something that he will live with that for the rest of his career, no matter, no matter what he does. Um, and, you know, I've, I've read multiple stories and I've heard multiple videos of people talking about how Juwan Howard is a very, uh, very liked guy within the Michigan basketball program. So um, he luckily has a pretty good track record, but um, you know, that's, that's something that he's going to live with for the rest of his career. And he's always going to be associated with that. So uh, he, he's got to be on the, on the lookout now um, as far as making sure that he keeps his cool and doesn't let anything like that, um, ever ever happen again um so just a just a tough situation overall for for college basketball you know going into uh going into the conference tournament you need all of your players healthy and all of your coaches there with you to go into battle each and every night so uh just a horrible horrible uh horrible judgment on his part man yeah, and the other thing, too, is I didn't say this, neither did you. I mean, you kind of did. Jawan played at Michigan. I mean, he's Michigan through and through. So, like, I mean, you just 
and 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 in his defense and to talk a little bit of um not necessarily talk shit on wisconsin's head coach but um you know he wasn't necessarily completely out of the wrong uh he did kind of like put his hands on Jawan, and and you know i completely get it you know i've lost plenty of games in my in my day and if you you know, you nudge somebody the wrong way, you touch somebody the wrong way, you say something to somebody and you can flare up. And I have most certainly flared up myself. Um, so I completely get it. And I think really the, the scuffle wasn't even bad. I think everybody is, I think p- penalties are avoided as long as Juwan doesn't strike. And that's what just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I compl- I actually love that he was pissed off like that. Like not obviously the extent to what he took it, but I mean, you obviously know that he cares about wanting to win and he's passionate about Michigan, but you just can't allow yourself. I mean, it just like, wasn't even, it just seems so not real that it happened. Like he went out of his way to like lunge at this coach that was in the back of the, of the huddle and, and just a complete lack of, of awareness there. Um, like you said, unfortunate for college basketball, unfortunate for those players that somebody in command put them in that situation, but that's where they are. Um, and, and unfortunately, too, it took away from a really good basketball game because I don't know if you watched that, but Wisconsin-Michigan game. Michigan was up for a while, and Wisconsin had to come back and win. It was really good. Um, but Chan, it, uh, for me, it kind of brought back memories so to speak of the uh malice and the palace yeah i I, you know it it happened all on the court and there were no fans involved and it was just the teams but yeah i mean there for a second it like it was gonna blow up um now they did i do think they did a good job of breaking it up they broke it up pretty quickly um i think everybody's caught up in the hitting and like they think it took a really long time but like that kind of happened and then it was over from there um but yeah i mean definitely there there was some spillage people the players were spilling into the crowd a little bit (laughs) yeah obviously uh fortunately not to the extent of the malice of the palace but uh thought it was pretty crazy that um obviously the malice at the palace happened uh in detroit michigan and then this happens with Michigan basketball. Granted, the game was at Wisconsin, so mm-hmm. it was not uh, not in Michigan. But uh, just kind of crazy how that happened, and and it looked like there for a second, it looked like it was going to get real bad. But yeah, I, definitely. Yeah, they they did a really good job of calming everyone down and getting it under control. But uh, yeah, just an overall very tough situation and something that you never want to see happen. Yep. Well, Skeeby, uh, great episode. Um, got uh, last week recapped. We probably missed some things, um, but you know what? We don't really care. We're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to have a good time doing it. Um, unless you have any final remarks, Skip, what a week of basketball, and it continues this week. Tonight, Super Tuesday, K-State plays at Kansas. Uh, Kansas <laughs> Last 30 have won 28 matchups in Lawrence against uh, the Wildcats. Won't be making my dad feel very, uh, very good about this game going into tonight, but you never know. I honestly think if K-State wins tonight, they are a lock for the NCAA tournament. Big 12, kind of like the Big 10 skip. These are my closing remarks, by the way. Big 12, 
kind of like the Big Ten in the fact that K-State's mid-table and they're 500 in the league. Um, so I, they have a they have a super big win tonight in Lawrence. I think that they I think they solidify a spot, a lower seed in the tournament, in my opinion. Um, so big games on tonight, people. Yeah, bro, and that's the beauty of college basketball is that we're sitting here talking about how amazing this last week was, and we're just right back at it this week. So yeah, um, can't see this time next week. Can't wait to see what the storylines are going to be and um, who's going to be on our radar and whatnot. But um, yeah, man, hopefully. Uh, We'll just continue to see really, really good games, and I'm uh, I'm already looking forward to uh, to Saturday again. It's just gonna feel like March Madness all over again. So I can't wait. I'm stoked. I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, to get these conference tournaments rolling and and uh, and roll right into March Madness. So uh, get you, get your brackets ready, people. Yep. Get your brackets ready, and we will be back next Monday or Tuesday, depending on the week, um, with you guys. Skip, I appreciate it, brother. Good luck in your games tonight. Make a couple threes, huh? Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, hopefully I'll make some shots, and we'll uh, we'll come out with a win tonight. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. All right, see you, Jan. Peace.